This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand brands and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good day, I'm Anne Dolinchik and you're listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In this episode, we're in conversation with Janine Rainier. She is a Gen Z and millennial marketing maven and is a key role player in the evolving South African influencer marketing space. Currently, General Manager at Tilt, Janine is an influencer marketing guru and expert in authentically translating brand objectives in a digital space. Grab a coffee and listen as we discuss peer-to-peer versus traditional marketing, why it's important for brands to build emotional relationships with their customers, and using storytelling to connect with customers. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. Good morning, Janine. Thank you so much for being with us today and making time in your very busy schedule. Before we get into it, can you please tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do at Tilt? Hi, Anne. So I am Janine Rainier. I am the General Manager at Tilt. So Tilt is an influencer marketing and content creation company. So what I do there is probably a little bit of everything because no day is the same. When I joined Tilt, um, it was four years ago and Tilt was just a startup company and the word influencer was still in its infancy in South Africa. No one really knew what it was. Everyone knew that they had to do it. And so we did a lot of education in this space um, starting out. But the industry is very exciting. It's continuously changing. Yeah, and I absolutely love what I do. No, exactly. And I think we're on the same page. We all kind of went into this industry thinking it's super exciting, but no one really knew what it was. And look at us now. Now everyone knows what it is and we're still enjoying educating people and we just love seeing it grow to what it can become. Yeah, 100%. So as we just said, it's a super, super exciting space, especially in South Africa, because it is still so young in our local markets. And we're definitely on the cusp of it becoming one of the biggest marketing channels. And I think over the last year, especially, we've seen that kind of explode for us as well, not just overseas. But what differences do you see in the ways that consumers or the public interact with traditional versus influencer marketing? So you're definitely bringing up a big battle here because it is the battle of traditional marketing and now the influencer marketing side of it. We definitely believe that there is a space for both traditional and influencer marketing. So together, they can definitely create high impact, but we are seeing a distinct marketing shift towards influencer marketing as a broadcasting tool. Traditionally, people would buy their space on the radio. They would know that their reach is 1 million followers listening into that specific spot um, when they get the radio stats, but now they are actually buying space on the audience, uh, on the influencers' timelines, which is also speaking to a specific number of people. So that's kind of where, where that shift has happened. But the consumers today do have major trust issues. So they are looking at their peers, they're looking at influencers, they look at online reviews and all those different tools to actually help them make those purchasing decisions. But 
In summary, I would probably say that marketing currently is more digital than it is analog. It is more social than it is monologue. And there is more peer-to-peer than there is brand-to-peer. No, absolutely. And I think over the last probably five, six years, all those studies came out that people just inherently don't trust when brands tell people how amazing they are, right? Which makes sense. Like, obviously, they're going to tell you that they're the best in the industry. So how do we trust that? But the moment your friend or someone you follow online that you really trust or a family member tells you about it, you're going to be like, oh, okay, this comes from personal experience. I'm going to trust what they're telling me. No, 100%. Sometimes you don't even know what the product is. Then you see your friends got it. You're like, oh, what is that? Then you would go look at the brand page and actually read up more about the product, which is something you would have never known about if you hadn't seen it on your social timeline. No, exactly. So to that point, how important is it for brands to build that emotional connection with customers so they do build that trust in? So to build that emotional bond, the brands do need to tell stories. So, I mean, the influencers need to tell the stories about the brand. So that story could probably be about the product. It could be how it integrates into their life. But the the idea is to make that human connection. And that word is so, so, so important. Human connection we just see it more and more is that it has to be authentic. And then also they let, they let their audiences know that there maybe is more to that product that you don't generally just see if a brand is, is pushing an ad to you. But culture scanning is something that is very important. So brands need to listen. They need to listen to the conversations out there. They also need to be versatile and quick enough to plug into anything that is relevant, especially with any trending topics. And that's where it gets so difficult because some brands have very intricate approval processes, so they can't just jump onto something that is relevant the moment that you know it starts trending. So for example, any diversity campaigns, I think that brands do run That all stems from them listening to people talking about it on social channels. And a great example of that is the recent campaign, the 10 Rand Goes a Long Way, which Sibu Mabena, the owner of the creative agency in Johannesburg, took to social media using the hashtag 10 Rand Goes a Long Way. So that is where the public was urged to donate any amount of money to donate to university students so that they could register and study for the year 2021. And there were big brands that joined in on that challenge and they donated substantial amounts of money. And the brands that were quick enough, they were getting mentioned by all these influencers that jumped on board and more and more influencers were amplifying this messaging to do good. And they managed to raise almost 2 million rand in a matter of five days. So that's amazing. Yeah, so the big awareness driver there was definitely big influencers jumping on more uh, oh, sorry, on board, amplifying the the message and then more and more micros, nanos, everyone else on their pages also just resharing that content which then allowed them to achieve that goal. So again, that human connection through storytelling is so important and we know that it's always been the crux of good advertising and marketing, you know, since like dawn was broken for the first time. People crave to connect with other human beings and as humans we do that through telling stories so that we can relate to each other. So that's always kind of been that bedrock which is amazing. Yeah. And a recent study by Hill Holiday, which is an advertising agency, was very interesting. They found that people are more likely to buy a product and even pay more for it if there is a story attached to it. So what they did was they were selling the same product online, but the first um, kind of post, they put just the product and just kind of the, the characteristics of the product or just kind of the USPs and they sold it. 
The second was the exact same product, but they had a beautiful story that related to this product and they put a higher price tag to it. And people were more inclined to buy that one, which is mind blowing if you think about it, but it makes sense. Yeah. So my question to you is then, how have we seen storytelling kind of evolve over the years since we only had traditional advertising, so our, our out of homes, our billboards, print, that type type of thing, where it was kind of that one-way communication to where we are now, where we also have these digitally-led advertising? So I think a great case study of storytelling and people getting you know, immersed into the products is the Pearl 2C Mac campaign. So that's a campaign that ran last year. Pearl 2C has been a fan of Mac since she was a little girl. The brand knows it. So they approached her to collaborate to create her own kits that she can sell to the public. The whole campaign was Mac X Pearl. She had two kits that she created. It was the Me Kit and the Power Kit. But the whole process was done extremely authentically. So the brand consulted with Pearl. Pearl went into the shop. She chose her favorite products to make up this kit. We then did the the shoot with her. We created all the content for the different social channels. And I mean, the amazing thing is that Pearl is the first black female in South Africa to have created a branded kit like this. So it was groundbreaking for South Africa. And using the different social channels, using Instagram, making the different cuts, there was a lot more awareness about this product and the brand. And a lot of it was coming straight from Pearl, telling her story, why she chose the products, which then obviously saw a high uptake in sales. Amazing. And again, you're tapping into a market that loves pull. And now there's that association with Mac. And maybe some people will even switch makeup brands because of that. 100%. So what makes influencers perfect to tell these stories like Paul? So humans are the perfect storytellers at heart because we actually use stories to connect with one another on a deep emotional level. So when a brand posts about something, it comes across as like this forced promotion where if it's coming from the influencer's point of view that people trust, it's seen more of a recommendation than a form of promotion because those followers already trust them. What is important to note for brands is that they need to also trust that the influencer knows their audience best. Sometimes we see cases where the brand is trying to script it too much for the influencers, what story they need to tell and how they need to tell it. And then when the influencers tell the story, it just doesn't connect with their audiences. Whereas if you brief them, you say, this is the objective, this is the story we would like to tell, how would you like to tell it? That's when it really becomes game-changing. No, exactly. And to your point, they know the audience as well. They know exactly what works and what doesn't work. Uh, they've literally spent years building up a community that they speak to. So if you are too rigid, it's, it's going to fall flat. You have to give them a framework. But inside of that, let them lose. Let them do their thing. Yeah. But the bigger the emotional connection is, is the higher the brand recall will be when someone is actually in a shop. So, for example, we've used Mini on Colgate before. And People then think, when they think of Mini Dlamini, they actually think of Colgate. So that association is there. So we also know that all influencers are obviously not right for all brands. One of the debates we often have is we get into a room with clients, we start discussing influencer marketing and what they can do for the brand and where we want to go with a campaign. And the first thing they start doing is throwing out names, right? Everyone wants yes. a big influencer, a macro. They just see the follower accounts and we always go like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's first see what your objectives are. 
how are we going to do this? And then we'll get to a name, right? Yeah. Because it's just, we need to tap into the right people. So what would your advice be to brands to actually identify these influencers who are right and authentic and even a credible person to tell their stories in effective ways? You know, and it's exactly what you said there. You go into a room, the brand throws out names, and those are generally the names of who they follow. So it's just people that they want to see with their brand, but they're not necessarily the correct fit. You get all these brand branded tools. Uh, There's so many of them that they try to sell to you where they say, you know, you just put in the search words, it's going to kick out the right influences for you. Those things don't work because they just work off keywords. The real proper way to find these influences is to literally go down someone's timeline, see what they're about, understand them. We've got culture scouts at Tilt who who just do this. They sit there, they go through the profiles, they make sure there's a connection. The second point that we would do is then actually reach out to the influencer and say, this is a brand. We won't necessarily uh, mention the brand, but you'll say, this is a coffee brand um, that would like to work with you. Firstly, do you drink coffee? Is this an authentic fit for you to speak about this to your followers, to get their buy-in rather than just saying, here's an offer, here's your money, you're going to be talking about coffee and they don't even drink coffee. No, you have to have that fit. And to your point, there's a lot to be said for actual people as account managers or like I said, culture scouts to be behind that process because tech is amazing. And I think there is definitely a space for it, but it needs to be combined with that human connection where I can use the tech and say, I have a database of amazing people. Let me find a match. But then that's not where it ends. You actually, like you say, have to go into those profiles, see if they would be a good value fit for a brand. If they speak to the right audiences, you need that data. And then absolutely, you need to actually have that question with them. Like, is this authentic? Do you drink coffee? Yes, no, 100%. So you need to do your homework before. And what we also find works really well is once you've got those influencers contracted for the brand is to actually do a session with the brand. One hour, run through all the brand objectives and really get them immersed in the brand. Because once the influencers really fall in love with the brand, that's when the content really starts to pop. I 100% agree with you. Just that extra meeting with even the brand managers, taking them through the brand story, the brand values, the do's and don'ts, really, really gives them that extra bit of magic and also feeling connected and part of a team yeah. that they're not representing. It's not just some abstract brand that they're going to put on their feeds. Yes. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Here's a controversial question, Janine. Yeah. (laughs) Are all influencers storytellers, though? Everyone is a storyteller but it's within their own right. So how I tell a story might be different to how someone else tells a story. But that is the beauty of influencers is that every story is different, but every follower follows that influencer for the way that they tell a story. Because you are essentially opting into that person's platform. So if I am following someone they every day have ID stories that are very long-winded, not my scene, I can just unfollow them. 
Um, and I will follow someone who's maybe shorter, sharper, to the point, um, you know, when they are actually sharing their content. But then you get people who prefer the long-winded content, who are then following those people because they have a lot of time on their hands and love to watch 40, 50 cards a day of what that influencer <laughs> is actually trying to get across. So it is very niche. The audiences are different and different influencers speak to those different audiences, which is why it's nice to have a mix of influencers on a campaign. And I agree with you. And I think that's where the magic lies with influence marketing, because it's not a one size fits all. And you go onto these campaigns and you can have such a beautiful mix that you do reach the right people, the right type of people, but everyone's got their own preferences. So let's talk macro, micro, nano influencers, all these beautiful tiers that we have in influencer marketing. And every single one of them obviously play a different role when we look at campaigns, right? So when it comes to actual storytelling, what does each of these different tiers bring to the table? Surely they've also got different roles to play there. Yes, most definitely. So as you said, every campaign is obviously tailor-made. It's not a one-size-fits-all. You need to use two macros, four micros, three nanos, and that's going to be great for you. Um, obviously, you have to see what the brand is, how big the audiences are within those brands. But uh, in summary, I would say the macro influencers, they give you your mass awareness. So they get that key messaging across to a broader audience. When you're looking at your micro influencers, they have a much higher level of engagement and believability. So their followers are a bit more, I would say, yeah, they've got a, they've got a lot more trust with their, with their followers, with their followers. They also have a more targeted audience in the different spaces. And then the nanos are the ones that have high levels of engagement and believability. Uh, but then you can also use them for very niche campaigns because sometimes you think, oh, it's a nano and they've only got 2,000 followers. But within a specific space or segment, they might actually be a macro. Absolutely. You know, maybe they're within the fishing community and they are quite respected and they have 2,000 followers and everyone within the fishing community is following this individual. So they are actually almost seen as a macro within that context. Absolutely. So I often have this debate and I don't know if I'm right or if I'm wrong. So I'm going to ask Eugene to weigh in and maybe put a stop to, to my debate with other people. Yeah. yeah. But I firmly believe that if you're a brand, you're doing an influencer marketing campaign, or even if you're just on social media, you need to have your content packaged differently for the different platforms. And I often see that brands and even influencers will just share whatever they do on one platform on all of them which I don't agree with. Is it important to repackage things for different platforms? It is so, so, so important. Yes, <laughs> it, I win. It is, yeah, exceptionally important. So if we like just had to quickly look at the different platforms, I mean, they all have a different purpose and they all grab attention in a different way on the timeline. So firstly, you need to understand how that media is consumed and then you have to use best practice to obviously um, target those consumers. So yeah. Twitter is the one that's more informative. It's very much a look at this platform. It's got the trending news, real-time information, that kind of thing. Instagram is more visually appealing. So that's the look at me platform, very much photos and video content. But you have to ensure that you're getting your aspect ratios right also, because if someone is scrolling down a timeline, 
your content needs to stand out. So if you're just uploading a video to the wrong aspects that's not filling the whole screen, you're, mo you're missing out on that opportunity. And also for Instagram stories, you know, they have to be done nine by 16. It's just the way you film them to ensure that you are getting maximum exposure on that screen. Facebook is the one that's more connection between family and friends. YouTube is consumers who just have a lot of time to actually go down a deep dark hole and just watch a lot of different YouTube footage. Um, but it's obviously longer form content, but you have to grab your audience within the first 15 seconds or they're going to skip to the next video. And then the new kid on the block, which is TikTok, which no one knows anything about. It scares every single brand, but it is up and coming. Brands need to get onto TikTok. And we even see it with our... Um our clients start asking more and more about TikTok and it's great. It's like we've done some really cool campaigns on there. Yeah. And I just think it's going to grow and grow and grow because people love that short form video content at the moment. It's entertaining. It's informative. You can do so much with it. hundred percent. And I guess where it gets difficult also with these content pieces is that brands sometimes have very rigid um, CI requirements. Yeah. So then they'll tell you you need to open with a opening sequence that's been created for them, but that's already lost the mm. interest. So with influencer marketing, you have to have the influencer's face in that first frame to grab the attention of the of the user. Faces sell, and I've actually read something about if there's more than one person in an image or a video, even that kind of lends to that more human connection as well. It's really strange. Yeah. Because if they just see a branded logo, first frame, they're like, oh, it's branded content. They see the influencer talking. They're like, oh, what is this? What are they doing for this brand? You know, and then actually mm -hmm. the content. Yeah. And it's also then it counts as an engagement, but it's not really because people are just like, oh, what are they getting paid for now? Let's have a look. But then they are being subjected to the brand and they are watching the entire video. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Catch 22. <laughs> <laughs> Janine, in your opinion, does the quality of influencer content actually have an impact on how the audiences react to it? Or is that kind of a moot point? Is, are we using influencers, especially on the smaller scale? Does it actually matter? So this point is quite interesting. Um, I think a lot of influencers, it's almost like I can put them into two categories. You get influencers who have a great following. Their content is not necessarily fabulous um, and then you get the content creators who are influencers the content creators are the ones whose content is beautifully created it's always on point and then the other influencers it's it's good but it's not great and I think that is also where our tilt offering completely evolved where we we added in that content creation department where we actually assist the influencers in creating the content does this even apply to kind of behind the scenes, more like live content as well? Or is that kind of more preferred to look quite real time, not that highly polished? Or how does audiences react to that? So there's two segments we put that in. So the BTS footage by influencers, 100% agree. It needs to be raw. It needs to be gritty. It's in real time. They're letting their followers, you know, into their life. They're suddenly backstage somewhere or watching the influencer get their makeup done. There's something exciting in that. Um, so that does not need to be overly created, uh, curated. But in terms of brands sharing content, it is quite nice if you do cur curate BTS pieces for brands to share from their platform. 
versus the end. That makes yeah. that makes complete sense to me because it, it's like a brand. You want to see it like very professional. But the moment it's a real person, you kind of want to get the sense of they're a real person and this is what they're doing right now. Yeah, and you almost feel like honored that they're letting you into this world in this space of theirs. No, absolutely. So what then are the biggest challenges that brands are facing when they want to incorporate storytelling into their influencer campaigns? I think the biggest challenge is that some brands want things told in their tone, in their way. And what they will do is they'll almost script a piece which hits every KPI, every correct term, um, and they would then give that to an influencer and pay for a branded post. The influencer then delivers that script, but it is not authentic. The audience can see through it. The influencer even struggles to just follow the script and say the right words with a million reshoots. So I think they try to, to box them in too much where they need to realize that the influencers know their audience best. The influencers understand them and can actually create, um, create better content that will resonate more and actually give the brand better results. So that's something that I find they just need to kind of loosen the parameters a bit more and and be brave. Um, we touched on it earlier. Brands also need to ensure that they're optimizing everything correctly for those social media platforms. So if you're telling them they need to lose their opening board sequence of 10 seconds because you, know, you must tell the story in 15 seconds and you've already used 10 seconds of it for opening board, <laughs> They need to be open to that. They need to evolve. They need to see what works, what doesn't work um, for the brand. I 100% agree with you. And I think if you're a brand and you are going down the road of influence marketing and you trust your agency or whoever is choosing your influencers, trust that they're using the right people for your brand. And I think they just, like you say, need to loosen up a little bit and just trust that these guys are going to do an amazing job that they were hired to do. Yeah. So can influencer marketing form part of a storytelling across traditional and digital and influencer, like the 360 campaign? Definitely. And this is also where culture scanning is important for people to just jump onto something that is topical that you can actually integrate across a full campaign. So, for example, there's a campaign that we did for Colgate totally ready a few years ago. So Colgate were launching their new Total 12 toothpaste and the campaign was called hashtag totally ready. So we went tactical to use DJ Fresh's first new drive show debut on 947 to inspire conversation around what it means to be hashtag totally ready. So during the day leading up to his first highly anticipated show after leaving Metro FM, we got our influencers. It was uh, Maps Maponyane, Mini Dlamini and Katleho Mabui, and they asked him on social how he was getting hashtag totally ready for the show. And they suggested that he should use Colgate Total 12 because that would help him. So he replied on the 947 accounts showcasing how Colgate was helping him get hashtag totally ready. And then live on the show, he shouted out to the influencers, he threw forward to Colgate 12 being an epic tool in getting hashtag totally ready for success. So, and this ended up being one of the most listened to power spots ever on 947. How amazing. There's so many touch points in there. You don't only have the social aspect, but here you've got the radio aspect as well, which we know in South Africa is still huge. So combining those two, it is kind of an unstoppable force. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's why we always say you shouldn't discount traditional media because the more you've got, the more touch points you have, 
the better. I mean, we know it takes what um, a person to see something seven or eight times before they even consider buying it. So absolutely, have as many touch points as you possibly can. Yeah. Please, can you give our listeners your top three things to keep in mind to ensure that storytelling is relevant and credible when using influencers campaigns? Okay, so the first point would be you have to ensure that the influencers are a brand fit for the campaign. That is critically important to ensure that it is authentic and builds trust. The second thing is you need to understand the platforms, the social platforms where the messaging is going out and also the amplification you can probably achieve through putting paid media behind those various platforms to actually reach a lot broader audiences. And the third thing is let the influencer tell the story in their tone. They know their audience the best. Is fantastic points you just made. So our conversation has sadly come to an end, but thank you so much. Like we've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have also learned so much. But lastly, Janine, where can listeners connect with you online if they want to know more about what you're doing and just kind of find out a bit more about you? Thanks, Anne. It's been so, so great. Um, yes, you can follow me. I am Janine Rainier on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And for Tilt, it would be at the Tilt Effect for those. Amazing. Thanks so much, Janine. And hopefully we'll chat soon. Awesome. Thank you, Anne. Have a lovely day. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.